We are live. Are we live? We are live. We are live and alive. We've yes. got our boy, Ludovico. Ludo, Ludo welcome. on the podcast. Good evening, guys. Back. Always a pleasure. You doing good? Always good. So we had the clowns yesterday on the podcast. We're all dressed <laughs> literally, up as... Uh, literally clowns. <laughs> we're all dressed up as incredible things. But today we've got the serious podcast with Ludovico. Well, not a serious, a different podcast. A different podcast. Well, I don't have a no. wig, so a little bit more serious, yeah. right? Yes. For, for yes. Michael, this is very serious. Exactly. I have nothing to touch. <laughs> <laughs> Please he's don't. Wearing, he's wearing pants today. Yeah, you exactly. can confirm. You can confirm he's wearing pants. Yes. yes. That's very uh, good. You know what was funny? A couple of people, you know, the clips that we post out of, um, you know, just different topics, uh, people that did not watch the full podcast were saying, what the hell is wrong with this crew of people that are dressed up like a bunch of misfits? <laughs> I had somebody who, who posted a clip. And they didn't know us. They said, what the hell are these guys wearing that they're doing a podcast like this? <laughs> people said it looked like when you go to the subway at 3 o'clock in the morning and you see a pile of people there. That's what we look like. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, it's, it's a particular year. It's a particular 2000, uh, uh, 2020. And we, we, we have to laugh as much as possible. Exactly. Sure. And we have yeah. to try to, to forget this year and, uh, and move on and hope uh, that next year will be, will be better uh, for, uh, for, uh, for everyone. And uh, to do something different and to put something out there and just laugh and have fun, it's uh, it's great. And people want to laugh. People want to laugh. We always bring some. They sort want of to relax laughs. and laugh. It's true. I agree. We always bring some sort of laughs, especially you. You've always got these. Your your jokes are on a different level, though. They're more sophisticated. Yeah. You know, you got to think about your jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always really good. Exactly. Spontaneous. I'm very spontaneous. That's so whatever <laughs> comes true. up to mind, I say. Uh, wow. Actually, Michael got scared one time because somebody hit into the tile and he jumped up and it reminded me of when the tile fell over there. Remember yes. when you jumped up? Yes. Somebody said that it was yes. just like he was just like you. <laughs> so it was funny. So another good comment yesterday I saw was uh, they said at the table it looked like when you stay when you go out on a Friday night and then you still remain at the bar until the morning Saturday morning and you guys are the only people that are left. <laughs> <laughs> the hangover. Yeah, that, that was that was us after the drinking. Exactly, but. I know we have uh, so many topics to discuss. Uh, obviously, a little bit more in depth of what we did yesterday, and then of course, Champions League. We've got tomorrow. We've got Inter against Real Madrid. We've got Atalanta against Liverpool. Two big matches for both of our Italian teams, and I think especially for the Inter game, which we'll obviously get into. I think it's going to be crucial points. Both Real Madrid and Inter really need points in this they game. They both haven't won in Champions League uh, yet, so they're both going to be looking uh, yeah, Cause to Shak get their first win. Shakhtar is putting a lot of pressure. They've That's been right. a lot better than, than I was expecting. It's a solid team. It's a very solid and uh, balanced team, uh, uh, Shakhtar. It's not a, a, an easy team to uh, to beat. But Real Madrid has its uh, its issues, I guess, in-house locker room uh, issues between uh, between players. And, but it's a team, it's, it's a club that when the three points matter, they have that European experience, that, um, that philosophy, that mental approach that they, they'll, they'll get the three points, they get things done when it's, when it's needed because of the experience that they have and, and the players that they have, the experienced players that they have on the field. And of course, the, uh, the coach. So it's time tomorrow, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a must win for both, uh, for both teams. But I personally think Real Madrid has the uh, has the edge because of the European experience that they uh, that they have, and the players that have been in this situation in the past. Plus, it doesn't help that Lukaku uh, did not travel with the team. He's still ha having a muscular injury, so he's left out. Uh, he also might miss the next Serie A game against Atalanta. So uh, it's going to be really tough, especially because uh, Inter have been really relying on Lukaku. 
the I think this season and a lot of last season. So I, I, I I'm interested to see how the goals could go in if they do. Well, that, that's what that's what's been uh, to date Inter's uh, uh, season so far. Mm-hmm. Let's get to Boldo Lukaku. Let's wish for the best. Exactly. And uh, let's hope he puts it in and and he scores and we win the game. But now, what are the alternatives? We spoke about this last week and, and the week before. What are the alternatives? And that's where the coach comes in. Okay, Lukaku is not available. Lukaku cannot play or Lukaku is having a bad day, a bad Sunday. How do we find that alternative in order to get the three, the three points? And that's what Conte is lacking right now, finding that right, uh, that right balance on the field and that right formation that enables you to get the three points even though you don't have your uh, your number one uh, player, your go-to player that's going to be missing. I mean, you don't expect the guy to play all the games, 90 minutes, uh, uh, playing now every week. Before Champions League was every couple of weeks. Now they play, you're playing three games a week, basically. High-level uh, uh, games. You want to stay in Champions League. You want to qualify for the next round. You want to be able to compete in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Serie A. You need to have... Uh, uh, a balanced uh, uh, formation at all times, but you cannot rely just on Lukaku that every week, yeah. you know, he comes up or invents something, one of his goals and say, okay, thank God another Sunday is over, another game is over, let's hope next week he'll do it again. You, 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 you can't, you, you, you can't do that. You can't uh, just rely on that. One, one big topic that we were talking about yesterday that was brought up and a lot of people were commenting about it, it's like, obviously Inter are very Lukaku dependent. The Absolutely. way that their formation is and the way that the system that Conte plays, it's all through Lukaku. He's at the center of that. And we we had asked because obviously Juventus, you saw with Ronaldo, he comes in, the game has changed for Juventus. They score two goals, they win, they beat Spezia 4-1. And I match that, you know, with against Crotone and Verona where they tied. Who do you think, just a side note, who do you think is more reliant on uh on Luke is Inter more reliant on Lukaku or is Juventus more reliant on Ronaldo? I think Inter more on Lukaku. How come? Um, because Juventus has um, has the players that can uh, um, win a match. Uh, Morata is playing great. He, he arrived at Juventus and right away he he got into the uh, in, in, into the say he didn't need any time even though he was there before, but he didn't need any time to adjust to readjust to Serie A. Right away the, from the first game he made a uh, he made an impact. Now, it remains to be seen how can Pirlo uh, uh, fix and find a balance because now you have two center forwards. We know that Ronaldo likes to play the 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 uh, the, the center forward. Now you have Morata also. Yes, they, it worked, but that's not his uh, uh, preferred position. He prefers the 4-3-3 Ronaldo where he plays the left and then he, he, he goes towards the, the middle. Center, but now yeah. you have a center forward uh, like Morata that can... Score, even though he was unlucky against against uh, you know against Barcelona. I mean, three goals, if I'm not mistaken, three goals yeah, yeah, that they were that they were disallowed. If those goals, if two of those goals would have gone in, or maybe all three, we would have been talking about a total different you know different exactly. game. Remember, you winning or you scoring, it hides a lot of issues. It hides a lot of problems that the team uh, that the team has. But Juventus cannot do without Morata, and I think Juventus cannot do without uh, Ronaldo. Who's going to pay the consequences at this point? I'm sorry to say, but it's Dybala. Yeah. 
It's it's a topic we'll definitely get into, but I we I also agreed with you exactly on that that Inter's more more dependent on Lukaku just because their entire formation everything surrounds Lukaku. Whereas Juventus, I will say that Juventus is definitely relying on Ronaldo, um, but it's at a different level. And and I'm struggling to think you know Inter versus Real Madrid how Inter put in goals. Where I, I have the probable formation from this morning from Gazeta three five uh, two of course with we're not Conte. changing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I shouldn't have even said <laughs> it. Hanovic in net. The back three is going to be D'Ambrosio, De Vrij, and Bastoni. The middle five: Hakimi as the right wing back, Brozovic, Vidal, Barella in the center, and Ashley Young on the left. And then the two up top are Lautaro and Sanchez. Lautaro has not been good this season. The guy's got no. some sort of mental problem well he's, he's nervous he's, he's nervous I guess there's something going on in the uh, in the locker room he's not able to find the right position on the field and he's not um, able to uh to excel so he's like frustrated Sanchez how many practices did he have maybe yeah. one yeah. now you put him against the Wolves you put him against Real Madrid <laughs> I don't think it's that you know I don't think it's that easy then you have someone like Vidal that maybe coming off the bench, he's a guy that can change the uh, the game. And then you rely on the usual Barella to have a great game. But now this Barella, how many minutes can this guy play exactly. and carry the weight on his shoulders and do coast to coast? You're squeezing this guy as a lemon, and now the last 20, 30 minutes of the game, he lacks of that freshness up front in making the pass because he's... You know, he's tired. So Conte also has to find a balance. Okay, I have Nainggolan, I have Barella. How can I have both of these players and, and able to balance and use one, maybe in certain games, use the other in, 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 in other games? It's always a matter of finding uh, the alternatives and not to just rely on, on plan A. I don't think he has the word balance in his dictionary, Conte. Well, it, it's. I mean, if you're paid 11, 12 million a year, you have to, you, and you have that, uh, and and uh, you have that roster, you have to be able to find the uh, the the uh, the correct balance. You, you have to have the alternatives, the and and not just rely on one way to uh, to uh, to play. Ericsson is still not, yeah. is still not uh, not starter. performing. He's, yeah. he's a ghost on the uh, on the field. I think they cannot do without Brozovic. I think Brozovic needs to be. On the uh, on the uh, field, but he thought, listen, I give maybe a couple of guys uh, a day off, or they come in later in the game because Tuesday I have Real Madrid. So now coaches are also thinking, okay, Sunday I'm playing Serie A. What can I do to, with with the least amount of work to get my three points and concentrate on the Champions League game during the week? So you try now. You play against Serie A. These teams exactly. are tactical, very disciplined. No matter if you're playing against Genoa or you're playing against Parma, they tactically very disciplined. And you're not going to get the three points that you wish you got by putting in your, your, uh, let's say your second tier players. Even though Mila, uh, Inter does not have second tier players, I mean you have a roster of 20 plus players that anyone can substitute anybody at any given time. Ludo, I have a question for you. Um, we've over the past we've talked a lot about the three-five-two formation. What's going on? If you were Conte, how would you approach this game against Real Madrid, having arguably your best player out for tomorrow? Would you still stick with a 3-5-2? And what do you think about the sigma of the 3-5-2 not working in uh, Europe? Not what Conte is going to do, but what he should do, rather. Exactly. Well, the 3 yeah. 5 Because we know he's going to stick with yeah. the 3 5 many, many of these, uh, many, of, many coaches, many teams, many clubs have abandoned the 4-4-2. They're mostly going with the 3-5-2, and you have the two wing uh, backs. The, the, the wing backs. But yeah. this is the formation 3-5-2, but it actually becomes 
even a 4-5-1 or a, a, a 4-4-2 when you're defending, when you're in non-possession uh, uh, mode. Then when you transition, that's when it becomes the 3-5-2 the, the when you try to put as many men as possible in the, uh, in the opposing uh, half of the field. The problem with Inter is not the three in the back, even though, yes, I think uh, the Vrij, both goals were on his shoulder that uh, that uh, Gervinho scored. He had Peter a lot. criticized him too. Yes, for the same I mean thing. both of them to me were uh, were his fault. The thing with with Inter is that again the, the midfield, and that's the same problem that Juventus is having. Inter is having is to find that midfield that uh, uh, that balance in the midfield where you the the the, the penetration uh, uh, mode like the half wings. That's what Inter, I believe, is lacking. That uh, that fantasy, that imagination. The um, let's say to put in Napoli, like the 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 Fabian Ruiz, the Zelinski, those type of players that do penetrate the box. Something that Sensi was mm-hmm. purchased for to do, but he's always Again, he's, he's not always he's always exactly. not playing. So the the main focus of Inter is the main problem for Inter to me is the uh, is the uh, is the midfield to find that. Uh, to find that balance, Vidal is one of those players that can penetrate, that mm-hmm. can take a man on, on uh, on one v one. And I think tomorrow he should, he should start, because you need to win He's this. Uh, you to. need to win. The, he's expected to start, and because you you do have to win this game. You don't want to go to uh, uh, play against Madrid and you want to hide in the corner mm-hmm. and 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 park the uh, the uh, the, the uh, yeah. and park the bus. But it's finding the players and putting them in the right. Uh, mode in order to to play. There's 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 issues also I believe in the locker room where players are lacking that determination and that um, anger on the uh, uh, on the field because you cannot make everyone uh, you know everyone uh, everyone happy. So that's but that stems from the coach at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. And you, so, have, you have to be able to motivate the players, even though I think they don't need to be motivated. Uh, you know, when you make a certain amount of money <laughs> in, uh, uh, a year, yeah, but you know they want to be they they, they want to feel Some need important. to be cuddled. They yeah. they want to be cuddled. They want yeah. to they they want to feel uh, they want to feel important. important. Yeah. And especially if a coach spoke clearly to a player before uh, uh, purchasing. That player before that player uh, arriving to the team, you have a conversation with that player. This is what I expect from you. This is what I will do with you. Mm-hmm. This is what you. This is the role that you will have. And if that role changes during the season or after a few games, now you have an unhappy player mm-hmm. or players. Yeah, I think you were hinting at Erickson, uh, maybe over there, just speculating. But at least for me, I think that you know you touched on the midfield. Tomorrow, um, obviously, we're, we're rooting for Inter. Real Madrid is the top team. Militao uh, just got COVID, so he will be out for uh, Real Madrid, one of their defenders. But it's still Real Madrid, like you said. And I saw a funny tweet, or it was in a newspaper, where it said, this is typical Real Madrid this season, where they will lose their opening Champions League games just to go on and win, win the Champions League at the end of the day because they've got that in their DNA. And I think their group is very tough because Shakhtar, if Shakhtar wins tomorrow against Borussia, they're in a very good position. If Madrid don't, don't win, there's a lot of pressure on both Inter and Madrid right now. So, Conte already said we're not going for a tie, of course, which we would expect. Yeah. I don't know where the goals are going to come from Inter. I feel pessimistic. I would say it'll end in a 1-1 draw. That would be my prediction. I think it's a little bit more optimistic. I don't see Inter winning against Real Madrid with the, in the moment that they're at. I hope I'm wrong, but that's how I see it. Mike, yeah, Mike and Ludo. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, Man, I, I, I always try to be optimistic with this, 
But I've been saying in and out that Lukaku's been saving Inter this whole time, and with him being out, I think the only the only way Inter could get a positive result is if Real Madrid don't have a good game, like against Shakhtar and against um, what was the other team they played? Borussia and Borussia, much uh, Gladbach. Which has been but, both teams have been better than I think we've expected. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, I feel like if Real Madrid actually pull off their form, you, it's gonna be extremely, extremely so, tough. But well, obviously hoping the best for Inter to do something. Maybe uh, they pull up a surprise. Champions League and Serie A are, are two different uh, entities altogether. The approach yeah. in, in Champions League is completely different than the approach in Serie A. Now, we analyze Inter in Serie A. They scored, to date, they scored 15 goals, but they also have 10 goals Conceded, against. Yeah. So if a team is going for the, for the Scudetto, you're going for the top positions of Serie A after five, uh, six games of the, the, the season, so, yeah. you cannot concede 10 goals. That's way too, too much. much. So that also, now when you're playing in, in, in Champions League, you have to take that factor into effect. So now do I start the game? Do I want to put on a coat and a scarf before? And, and then I think about scoring? Or I want to just close my eyes and start attacking and then you're exactly. playing against Real Madrid that's going to you know, give you a, a, a couple of goals. You know, first not get them, and then we think about how to score. How to score. By, by the way, to just not to cut you off, but you've got a special uh, viewer right now that, that wants me to say hi to you. Uh, we got Joey Barone, uh, who said Ludovico, there oh, he is. Nice. Tell him he says hello. So he says hello, uh, hi to you. No, he's at Salernitana right Bet now. So, so, come say. so uh, <laughs> good luck nice. to him. And we, they see everybody loves Ludo. Ludo <laughs> they, they know what comes when Ludovico's on a podcast. That's right. So continue so. hi joey good luck man all the best uh so what was your prediction did you give your prediction i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm, I'm gonna be optimistic here i will um inter one nothing wow okay i'm gonna go out on a limb here. i you're think out, you're optimistic i, I think nice. well i i want to i i want to be uh optimistic and uh let's hope that real madrid doesn't fix all the uh in-house issues uh, that they have tomorrow, and they take an additional week to fix those uh, to fix those uh, those issues, and Inter can uh, capitalize on uh, on uh, on a win and uh, and uh, come out uh, exactly. victorious, one nothing. Well said. I think that we're all hoping for that. Let's talk about Serie A too. Uh, obviously, uh, Napoli lost two zero to Sassuolo. Uh, a weird. It's been a weird past month, I would say, for Napoli. There were some highs, there were some lows, there were some strange matches in between. Uh, what did you think? Being obviously a big Napoli fan, and what do you think about uh, well, the loss? I'm I'm going to start by saying that uh, Sassuolo did not rob anything. By Sassuolo, they they did not rob anything. Three points, they got it, and 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 they deserved it. But this is one of those games where you can analyze from uh, different point of views, different perspective. Some people might say. Oh, Napoli played well. Napoli missed the opportunities. Uh, Sassuolo basically did not have any opportunities the first uh, uh, the the first half. Other people might say, "Oh, Napoli played well. They deserved a little bit more." Napoli was unlucky. I think the the problem here is it's not just the Sassuolo game. Going back to what you said the past couple of weeks, Napoli has this new player which we paid 70 million for 70 million euros 
uh, Aussie man where he plays in a certain way. We all know that in Serie A, it's the, the beginning, you might be a surprise for the first couple of games. But then the other coaches, they'll find the right, you know, they'll find the way in order to stop you and not to make you score. But they study every move that you make, how you move, how you head the ball, how you stop the ball. Do you go to the left? Do you go to the right? How do you shield the ball? They'll create that trap around you that enables you not to do anything. Now, Napoli puts a lot of men on the, the possession is over 50% for Napoli, basically in all games. Napoli has a certain amount of men, I'd say even more than five or six, on the other half of the field. By having that amount of men on the half of the field of the opposing team, that's a little bit of an handicap for Aussie men. This is a player that needs space mm-hmm. because this guy runs. And the more he runs, the faster he gets in progression. He reminds more or less as a Gervinho. I mean, technic- I mean not technically, the but... Speed, the uh, I see that, intensity. He has, right. He I needs space. So now when you put this guy in the front and uh, he plays with the back to the goalkeeper... Now you need to find alternatives. He needs to find alternatives or the coach Gattuso at this point of the game needs to find alternative. How do we get this guy free? How do we free this guy? Mm -hmm. How do we put this guy in position to create space and he may not score, but he will give an assist or put other players in in the position to score. And that's what Napoli is lacking. Napoli has the maneuver. We have the possession. But I think the build-up is very slow, very mechanical, and very robotic. That's what I think is the negative about Napoli. We have the possession. We play on the other half of the field. But now, again, going back to Inter, alternatives. What are the alternatives where we cannot find Aussie men? Mm. How do we bring Mertens to score again the way he used to score? Mm -hmm. And that's where Gattuso comes in. Mm -hmm. Yes, we were on the other half, but then also Sassuolo, the second half, they came once. The penalty was a clear penalty, penalty. but then then, uh, uh, Sassuolo, the way they were coming from the back and the one-touch passing and the way they were attacking after they they, they were ahead one nothing, that was beautiful to watch. I mean, that stuff does not happen in one game, in one week, or even one year. (laughs) That's three years of work. The way they were they were coming out. I mean, I was watching and I was saying, wow, look at this. The way speed, first touch, positioning with their eyes closed. They knew where their players were. Napoli can do the same thing, but not we have to pick up our rhythm. Our rhythm is very slow. And Aussie man right now is having problems in uh, in getting into the life of the of the of the action of the game. Because he cannot find the space. They have two men on him. They have the cage on him. And he's not able to, 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 to function or to, be, to create that space that Napoli needs. Now, how do we fix this? That's, that's, got, that's where Gattuso's uh, 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 job comes in. Also, Zinisky is a player that we are missing. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. I mean, he came back yesterday for uh, 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 a little bit. Uh, he played a few minutes. Elmas, another player that could take on 1v1, very technical. Fabian Ruvitz, uh, yesterday, 
I thought was not uh, uh, in the in the in the game too slow in the uh, uh, in the build up. Bakayoko, great game, gives that uh, gives that uh, balance. Lozano again, two games in a row, he hasn't performed. Politano, he had a great game. So whatever was happening on the left with Insigne, where seventy percent of the play was developed on the left with Insigne, now he was out. Mm-hmm. That play now the, that seventy percent of play uh, chances were created from the Politano side. But we also know Politano always does the same move. And people know that move. Defenders, that's predictable. Cutting in on the inside, either crossing or taking the shot that worked against Real Sociedad uh, last last Thursday. First of all, uh, I I love the way that you avoided some of that controversy to get to the actual point of football. I respect that a lot. I think that oftentimes, even today especially, everybody will get hung up on that one thing that didn't go their way, you know, whether it be from a referee or something, and forget about the 90 minutes as a whole. So that's amazing analysis on both the Napoli and Sassuolo side. And it's something that we had said yesterday that Sassuolo is a system. The guys, you know, Michael was saying before the match, you know, Caputo and Berardi, they're both not yes. starting. It's going to hurt them a lot. And some of us are saying, but the well, system even the that other they play, have. The three, the three, the, the three of the, the complete forward line of Sassuolo did not start mm-hmm. yesterday. And Boga and, was the first star for Sassuolo this season. He started for Sassuolo since he was, he's been right. out. And that's, but, a, that's a testament to what, but we, look at what that we're saying. Com- the system is like in and out. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that Atalanta where they're able to sell players year after year. But somehow, because of how integrated the players are into it, it's more about the group rather than just the individual. Right. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, Osimen had the opportunity when the goalkeeper made the mistake and then he made that super save. Yeah, the goal. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to put that Concilli. ball in. Concilli, you yeah. have to put that yeah. ball in. Yeah. You have to be able to score. Mertens has to put that, uh, that, uh, that ball in. Now, one of those goals, one of those shots, both of them would have gone in. Napoli would have gotten the three points, but the problem still remained. The build-up, the slowness of the of, of the build-up, the alternatives of Ozyman finding the space and not having all that. Uh, because Napoli, the, the way the formation is so balanced, it is very rare that, that Napoli gets attacked and you and you counter. Napoli will always have more than 50 even 60% of possession. Mm-hmm. So most of the game, you're on the other half of the field. You're not, the team is not attacking you, mm-hmm. the opposing team. And now you go on a, a transition, counterattack, and now, you know, this guy starts running and, and, and he progresses. He gets more speed and now you create the opportunities. But yes, there's those balls. You, as a, a $70 million man. Yeah, you should have scored that. You got to yeah. put that at ball least, in. At least on target too. You have <laughs> even the header. Yeah. You got on target. The, the though, way man, anticipating the play. He's yeah. still a little bit raw Wrong. in many areas, and he still needs to learn. He's young. You have to give him uh, 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 time. He deserves to have time to get adjusted to Serie A. But now Gattuso has to start thinking of the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. And I trust this 4-2-3-1, which I think works. But now the alternatives around this. Uh... And even the contract of Gattuso now, signing until 2023, the same thing happened with Milan when they started talking about uh, the contract renewal at Milan. Milan stopped winning. So now he feels he's very superstitious and he feels that now we start talking about the contract and the clause and all this and the and the penalties and that takes away from the actual play mm-hmm. and, and, and the team and that creates a distraction and that's what he feels is, is, 
is, uh, is happening. And of course, VAR. I think that was not a penalty on Ozzy Men at the end. I think the most could have been a free kick from the outside because they were both holding each other's uh, 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 shirts. I don't think Napoli deserved the penalty on that play at the, uh, at the end. It, it could have been... It could have been We've a, seen a uh, given. It could have been a 50-50, one of those calls. Right well, now. but also he was holding his, his yeah, shirt at his the, shirt at the beginning and then he let go and then the, the Sassuolo player start hold on. But it all started, I believe, outside the, uh, the, outside, the uh, outside the box. I agree with you, Ludo. And that's what I said yesterday too. Uh, I, I mean, you can say it has been given, but I don't think that that's the the law of how it should be determined. For me, it was too light and I agree with you. I don't think that it was enough to give a penalty that way. And, and it would would have... Obviously, scoring always will overcompensate. If Osiman scores that one, this looked like a match to me where not you could have made them play another 90 minutes and they wouldn't have been able to score. Correct. The yeah, ball was not going in. Mark, even the, the beginning of the second half, there were there were a couple of warning signs when actually Sassuolo got near Ospina and they almost scored. So that's that, that should have, you know, the bell should have started ringing. And now you're losing one nothing, and it looked like, you know, Napoli, instead of picking up that, that rhythm and going to that extra gear, Sassuolo was controlling the game beautifully. The way they were coming out from the back, it was beautiful to watch. I mean, to me, I would recommend every youth coach to watch those last 30 minutes of Sassuolo to teach how to come out from the back, <laughs> starting from the goalkeeper in tight spaces and positioning and create those triangles and coming out with class, with speed, with yeah. great first touch. They look like Napoli from a few years back. Sadis Napoli. The, uh, we, we, um, I have a, two more questions just reading from, uh, from the viewers over here. By the way, everybody for viewing, thank you so much. Uh, if you're enjoying the content, everybody's loving you back, by the way. They're saying that you're, uh, you're like the Bible of culture over here. They're loving your analysis. <laughs> by the way, I didn't want to interrupt you and say it while you were talking, but everybody's been going crazy about your analysis uh, so far. I got two more questions from the viewers about uh, Napoli or related to Napoli. Uh, Omar had asked, this has been, for some reason, this has been coming up a lot on our channel from our viewers. It's Osiman versus Leal. I guess they're two young uh, strikers, both in exciting teams, and there's some banter between Napoli and Milan. Somebody asked, who who do you think is better between Osiman and Leal? Right now, I think Leal. Leal is more decisive. Leal is that um, Ibrahimovic assist man. Is that... Um, that uh, right shoulder, that right, um, let's say his best man, and Leao and Milan cannot do without Leao. Also, he has more of Serie A uh, uh, experience, which is very, which is very important. I mean, uh, and uh, he's a little bit older. How old is uh, Leao? I believe he's twenty-two. Also, oh, the same Wait, age. Let more, um, Man, let me, I'll, I'll check real quick. Maybe twenty. Leao is twenty-one. So the same age. Yeah. They're the same age. I, I love Leal. I love the way he plays on that left side, the way he takes the man on 1v1, and he has that great vision where to put the ball, how to assist, and uh, and uh, how to um, create opportunities for uh, for Milan. So right now, considering that Leal has been a little bit more in Serie A, I would say uh, uh, Leal. But I'm not... Respect. Everyone. You know, I'm not uh, saying that uh, OC Man will not be a great player. He deserves time. He deserves the. Uh, he deserves uh, opportunities. No one should be giving up on him. Even though people are saying, "Is he really worth 70 million?" 
we don't know yet. We have to give a little bit mm -hmm. of uh, we have to give a little bit of uh, of time. But that's where Gattuso now comes in and say, okay, what do I need to do to make this guy a better player? How do I create and and where he lacks and make them improve? And Sari was very good with that. He did it with Mertens. He recreated. He he, he dreamed of of of, of Mertens becoming a, a, a falso nueve, and now he's the number one scorer in in Napoli in in in, in Napoli history. That's there's a lot of uh, Sari's uh, hand in there of 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 knowledge of how to create those opportunities. But let's get. But for now, we need alternatives. We do need alternatives uh, at this point. Good point. Uh, and you know, you, you spoke about Mertens being the highest goal scorer over uh, a certain somebody, and we know it was his birthday this weekend. Uh, we're not. We won't talk about it now. If the people want to hear uh, Ludovico's story, because I already saw Pasquale asked, he wants your story um, about that picture of Maradona. But guys, if you want to hear that, make sure you <laughs> like the video, and maybe we'll circle around to it if we get a, a good yeah, number of sure. likes. That you want to hear Ludovico's story about how he met Maradona. Um, nineteen eighty-six. That was August nineteen eighty-six. <laughs> He's already okay. losing out. Make sure you hit the like button um, and do that. Guys, Three weeks we after he became world champion, basically. <laughs> wow. Wait, maybe a month. So no, you guys no, definitely no, want to hear the story. Month. Oh, boy. Where do we want to go? Uh, what topic do you want to go to next? You got anything in mind? Up to you guys. I saw a, a question from Jay asking Ludovico's thoughts on Fonseca and Roma, who won 2-0 over Fiorentina. So um, we'll go there. Well, I think um, Roma's... The, 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 um, being a coach in Roma... Is not easy. It's a city, it's a fan base that expects a lot from the team, from the coach. There's a lot of pressure seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And if we look back in uh, uh, during the years, coaches in Roma have not lasted more than two years. Now, what happened with the new um, uh, people the, the new owners that came, I believe they have a, a, a different mentality. They want to give Fonseca an opportunity. Also, during the time of the Palotta selling and, and the new owners, a couple of um, uh, people from the, from the board, from the, from the organization, resigned. So I feel now that Fonseca has less pressure on him because the owners are saying, we are counting on you. We want that team to to build something with you, and not being every week that you know this might be your last game. You got to do well, or you got to do well, or now you can coach with uh, uh, with with, uh, with calm. You can coach with uh, with with a better opportunity and knowledge to do better and create something important. I personally think Roma has a great chance of finishing in the top four. I think the team is following Fonseca. Fonseca knows his players. He knows what he wants from them. Yes, they after 12 minutes that Fiorentina came out of the uh, came out from the uh, from from the from the locker room, uh, Roma took over, played its game. Mm -hmm. And I think they can finish in the top four. And I think Fonseca will be around even next year and the year after with these new with these new owners that are not going to give in on the on the on the fans or or, or on the uh, the um, administration side that uh, wanted 
this guy to live. I think he's a great he's a great coach, and I think he could do he could do very well. But he deserves to coach with that uh, with that mindset that I'm not always in question every single week and every single play, every single uh, uh, day. Give me the opportunity to to show what I could do, but I don't want to be judged after every after every week. And and the new owners are doing exactly that. Mike Mike had even made a tweet today about uh, Roma's attack being very underrated, and I think a lot of that will come from uh, Fonseca's tactics and the way that he lines up the team. Um, and obviously, I, I think you, you you I agree with the Fonseca analysis. I think that he's he showed even last year, and I know my dad was a big fan of Fonseca. There was some rumors about him, you know, potentially being sacked, and some Roma fans calling for him to be sacked to get a more experienced coach in Serie A. But I think they did a good job, and they're allowing him to do this. Having said that, since we're talking about Roma Fiorentina, I was very, 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 very disappointed in Fiorentina uh, with the way that they play. Um, obviously, today this morning, there's all the reports that Yakini. Uh, will be sacked or, or potentially could be sacked from Fiorentina. What do you think about it? Well, I think Fiorentina has has the potential, has the roster to do very well, and to be on the left side of the of the standings. In Italy, we call it the left side. The way the standings are in the Italian newspapers, we have the left side and we have the right side. I don't think Fiorentina, based on the rosters and the roster that they have that they deserve to be on the right side of the uh, of the standing i personally think the players are not following uh yakini uh most players are out of uh, of position i think he lacks in motivating these players because as i said before after 10 minutes of the game against roma they totally disappeared from the field <laughs> they were a no show after after no no I'm gonna think after after ten minutes, so I feel now here we are at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the season. He he plays with Ribery and Caleon in the in the uh, in the uh, in the front the and then position. as as forwards, but then he has all his forwards on the bench, <laughs> and he thinks that Caleon cannot play the same position that he played for Napoli because he's not. Is not in shape, and I feel that in in the in the locker room there's there's um, uh, a little bit of disagreement that the players are not listening to him. They're not following his his instruction, and he lacks of that personality. Now the point is, you're already paying Montella. Do you get him back? Because now maybe these players are more adaptable to a Montella style of, of playing because he's still on, on salary. Do you get another coach? Now, another coach, who do you get? Do you get somebody, you get another Band-Aid until the end of the of this season? Or is there a coach out there that you can actually start a cycle, meaning something that you can build for the future and hope uh, maybe in one year to reach Europa League or the preliminaries of uh, of uh, of Europa League, which I think Fiorentina deserves, because in the past Fiorentina was always one of the seven sorelle in, in you know the seven, seven sisters, sisters. Yeah. in Italy. There was the seven sisters back in the day, and Fiorentina was always part of the seven sisters. And now I feel like that they're that they're struggling. And let's not forget they also have one of the seven or eight highest payroll in Italian Serie A. And that's not... I mean, when you have what the top seven 
6-7 payroll, you want more from your players. You expect more from your coach. But now, which coach is out there? Do you pay another coach? I'll find the exact number, by the way, as you continue. So now, do you pay another coach? And who's out there that can build on, on something? I think the perfect coach for Fiorentina would have been the current coach of Verona. And I think they did Juric. look for him, Juric. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, They did want him, but then he signed with Verona because even though Verona sold um, a couple of great players that mm-hmm. made Verona a good team last year, the ownership did not replace those players, but Juric is able to find that balance and to start from scratch and, and create uh, yeah. uh, uh, something. And it's showing again this year that even though he lost... Uh, uh, a couple of good players that he was able to replace them and maintain and maintain that structure. That's a lot you, of. Uh, you were right, by the way. Uh, they have the seventh highest wage bill, fifty-five million, which is less than thirty million away from Lazio. So Lazio is at eighty-three, and Fiorentina is at fifty-five. Which, considering the you know what Lazio has done in recent years and Fiorentina, it's a big difference. It's you know there's there's a, not that big of a difference in the money, but there's a big difference in the results. Exactly. So. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that they were paying that much for their players compared right. to some of the other guys. So, seventh so now, who's out? Now, my question is, who's out there? Who can you get? Spalletti, Allegri. Uh, can you afford Davesa? Spalletti? Probably can you not. can you pay? I mean, Spalletti is not going to go to. Yeah, I mean, Gattuso, Gattuso in Napoli will make two point three million uh, 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 a uh, uh, a year, and then a few hundred thousand more for the for the following season. Uh, season which ends in 2023, plus bonus, meaning mm-hmm. Champions League or Scudetto, he'll get additional uh, 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 additional money, additional revenue. But now, can Fiorentina afford to put a third coach on its payroll if you sack Iacchini and you're still paying, and you're still paying Montella, or you bring back Montella until the end of the season? You can't do that. And then Why hopefully... Not? They won't do that. They won't do that. Listen, I don't think they'll like the image com- of uh, of bringing compared Montella to back. last season. Yeah, they lost Chiesa, but overall, I feel like their squad has gotten better. They got Guame, uh, Ribery's been there for a season. Uh, they have Amrabat, and right now they should be having more points than they than they than they have right now. And I don't think uh, Yakini is the manager to do that. And maybe the best choice is to bring Montella back. Because I feel like Montella's more capable of doing something. Because I don't even feel like the three-five-two kind of fits their formation, uh, fits the players that they have. Montella is the is the I mean Montella. I'm sorry, Yakini is the type of coach that you bring him in and you have As a certain a amount of games until the end of the yeah. season. You want to put a bandaid. Listen, Yakini, this team needs to be saved. He'll save your team. But I don't uh-huh. think Yakini is the type of coach to build a cycle 100%. and where. Fiorentina wants to be based on what Comiso is saying where the team and the club wants to be in a couple of years and hope to be back uh, to to the glory let's say glory being one of the seven sisters of Serie A in the near in the f- near future Yakini will not bring that team the, the team to that uh, to that uh, to that level which but I still feel to see the coach that. The coach, which coach out there that can uh, bring out the best of these players and create something important? I, I don't see that coach uh, out there. Even though Sarri, yes, he is trying to get away from Juventus and uh, and get a, a certain amount of money and start coaching again. 
But now with 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 Fiorentina and these type of players, Sarri, if he goes there, he's still going to require uh, uh, you know time to adapt to the new style of of uh, uh, it's it's a revolution. It's basically yeah, it's big. It's it's not it's not easy. Look what's happening with Giampaolo and uh, and uh, Torino. One point in in uh, in uh, in uh, six games because you know Cairo said, "Oh, I believe in Giampaolo," but Giampaolo now is a is a, is a Sarri type of uh, of coach, and uh, his philosophy, just with like Milan last year, is not, is not uh, you know is is not uh, is not happening. Not not to cry over spoiled milk or over spilled milk, but Gattuso would have been that guy for Fiorentina. That was the low cost, perfect option that had a blend of getting you to the season while also building. Well, De Laurentiis beat Comiso to the punch. Exactly, but because was, I think he was he he, he was called and uh, he was. I agree. There was there was a couple weeks before where we saw the signs with Montella that hey this is not going to work, and there were reports that Gattuso was ready to go to Fiorentina before Napoli before while they were still with you know they were not going to sack Ancelotti like everything was fine that would have been the moment to pounce. I think they waited a couple weeks more saying hey let's give Montella a little bit more time, but that opportunity of Gattuso ended up slipping. Not again not to cry over spilled milk, but that could have been that yes. low I, I would guy. have seen and uh, I would have seen and a guy and like of philosophies correct and a guy like uh, Juric a guy like uh, uh, De Zerbi even I, De Zerbi I think he's a, he's a he's a great coach but nothing happens overnight that's work that's Fair three enough. years of work and what Sassuolo has been you know has been able to uh, to uh, to accomplish and the style of play yes, they get a lot of goals believe me I think they got 13 goals <laughs> against and they they score. Yeah. I think they got thirteen against. And Napoli not able. I mean, a, 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 an offensive team like Napoli not able to score a goal on Sassuolo is something wrong there. And that's where Gattuso needs to to fix those issues. Everyone scored on on uh, on Sassuolo. Sassuolo yeah. The, there's been. A, I, I want to move move topics a little bit. Uh, we'll hit a couple more. Milan, top of the table. Obviously, it's early. How far how far do you think this Milan can go? Honestly, like the way that they're looking, you know, we've we've had some people on uh, over here say, you know, Antonio thinks that they could fight for a Scudetto. Uh, obviously, a lot of Milan fans think that they could fight over for a Scudetto. What do you think? Uh, it's a very open. It's it's a very open uh, uh, um, uh, season, Serie A season. Uh, a lot of factors. You have this uh, COVID situation where. Uh, on Sunday, you might think you have your starters, you have your players. This is what I want to do next week. This is the formation I want to start. I think I could beat this particular team. Boom. Tuesday, you got six positives. You got five positives. You got four positives. Now you have to rearrange your formation. You have to rethink of your formation and 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 start you know from uh, from uh, uh, from scratch. Milan the Scudetto? I don't think so. They are better teams on the on on uh, on paper, uh, uh, better equipped to win the Scudetto. Which I still think Inter and Juventus uh, as the uh, uh, as the uh, favorites if they're able to blend a uh, uh, a good salad with 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 time and put like a a nice dish uh, on the uh, on the table. I see Juvent- I see Roma as one of the final. Uh, I mean, as the top four, maybe in fourth uh, place. Lazio is coming back. Napoli is there, and it's it's a tight. It's 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 a uh, it's a really close race. It's very interesting, Serie A. 
but it all depends also on the current uh, uh, pandemic uh, uh, situation who will have players uh, uh, players available. But Milan for the Scudetto, no. Champions League, definitely, yes, if everyone is, uh, is healthy and Zlatan will remain happy. The main thing is that Ibrahimovic is happy. Remember, he controls the locker room. He controls the players. He controls the atmosphere, the ambience, and the coach. He's happy. Everything is calm. The ocean is calm. The water is calm. <laughs> he loses that, uh, that, uh, that, that calmness. Then an earthquake can happen on any given time. <laughs> and true. it could become a real you know, locker room bitch. You know, quote unquote. That's you know. Excuse my, uh, excuse my, uh, uh, my French. Yeah, it's not an easy personality to deal with. For sure. But right now, everything is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is perfect. And he's the he wants to be the main ingredient. He wants to have the main, uh, the main role, which is absolutely uh, normal with the Milan of, uh, with the Milan of uh, of today. And Pioli is doing a great, an absolutely marvelous job. You got anything about Juventus right now over there? I do. What do you want to say about Juventus? <laughs> I want to know what you got to say about Juventus. We we think we've been saying that uh, for for me at least this week with the way that uh, Juventus looked, you know, one one. I you know, Morata scored another offside. He's got he got the goal which he came back from, uh, but then he scored another offside goal, which is six goals taken away from uh, from Alvaro Morata in the past couple games, which is just incredible. But he's been he's been fantastic. Nothing to take away from him. I had said Artur. Uh, I think that he's very important to uh, what Pirlo's team does with his vertical passes uh, rather than just the midfielders that just play horizontal and play it safe. But for me, again, the difference maker or the guy that has an actual bite and the man that saves Juve where, you know, Chiesa had two opportunities to score right in front of the net, not able to score. Dybala had an opportunity right in front of the net, couldn't score. Ronaldo comes in in 120 seconds, scores. Artur, um, I disagree with you at this point. I think he does have the potential to become an important uh, uh, midfield uh, uh, player. I think the Juventus midfielders right now, it's that they're they're going on the field and they're just doing their job. It's just like you going to school and the teacher telling you, read from page one to six. You go home, you do page one to six, you close the book, you go back to school the next day. You're not going to page seven and see, okay, let me be a little bit curious and see what page seven says or maybe page eight and nine, because maybe the teacher can tell me, you know, the next day, you know, the the teacher can question me on page seven and I want to be ready because I want to have that extra grade on my, on my report card. So this is what I feel Juventus midfielder is doing right now. Artur is coming from, uh, from La Liga, from Barcelona, which is a lot of tic-a-tac, tic-a-tac, short passes, uh, maybe two, three yards. He still, I think, lacks of that vertical uh, uh, way of, of, of penetrating that, vert- that, that vertical uh, soccer that, that Juventus currently is, is lacking with the other midfielders. But if uh, Pirlo can work on this, then I think Artur can be a very, you know, one of those uh, uh, players that can be, you know, the, the main uh, uh uh, focus on the uh, on the field, but currently I don't think it's I don't think it's there. Dybala again going back with Allegri, going back with Sarri, and now with Pirlo. What is Dybala's role? It looks like he always gets 
passed by someone else. Now he's behind Murat. I understand he's not in shape. I understand he's not uh, he's not a hundred percent. He hasn't played for a long time. He's trying to get in the top shape, but he still cannot find that that starter role in 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 this in in this Juventus because I feel that Morata can be more of that player of of, yeah. of that player that can determine the matches, and can yeah. and 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 can can score. Now he also needs to find the player on the left and the and the right but i don't think it's going to be uh ronaldo and morata one next to each uh one next to each other he prefers the 4-3-3 i think what's his name uh ronaldo because he you know from the left going in the middle and i see morata as a pure center forward For sure. he has that killer instinct For sure. he finds the space he can he can play with his back uh uh, uh to the uh, to the net and find the space to go to player wait until the team comes up Yes, that issue about you know the 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 offside and the 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 foot and the hand that can be you know today goes against you tomorrow, but yeah. he will create exactly. those two three chances and he'll put it in just like Ronaldo has that killer instinct. Chiesa and other players they do not. Exactly. Ludo, I had one question. Uh, something about DiBala. We talked about it with other guys on the podcast. Do you think DiBala has what it takes to become that world-class player, or you think something is stopping him? And what do you think is that thing that's stopping him? That's not making him find his rhythm. Because in a time like this, when Ronaldo was out, he didn't. I feel like he should have stepped up when he didn't. I think Ronaldo. I think DiBala is a very sensitive kid. I think mm -hmm. kid, a player, man, individual, is is very sensitive, and yeah. every little voice that comes from outside the field whether it's his contract, the renewal, or people not saying good things, it affects his playing on the field. He cannot just wipe it off and, and say, okay, I am Dybala. I want to be the best in the world. He just does not have, my, my, my knowledge, he does not have that mental approach, that mental toughness that distinguishes you from the regular player. I think he will be a is is a great player, but not at a certain level where you're 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 recognized as a top uh, uh, as a top player because mentally he's just not there. Iguain to me was exactly you know that that mental toughness that requires you to say okay this game is mine. Let me roll up you know my sleeves and let me put the team on on the shoulder. And show these people what I could do, like a Michael Jordan, for example. I keep going back to to to, to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the type of player that, if uh, let's say tomorrow he had to play a game, and today he would go to Dunkin' Donuts and say, "I want a cup of coffee," and someone would say, "Hey, Michael, you stink. Tomorrow you're not going to score more than ten points." Oh yeah, I'm going to show you. That was enough for Michael Jordan to, you know, bring that fire in the eye, and then the next game he would score. 40, 50 points. Well, then we're in, we're, in, we're in agreement on that. The only thing I would say is that I think people make, um, with Dybala, I think that he's used as a scapegoat a lot of the time with Juventus, at least from what I see online. And I think that he kind of overcompensates for a lot of the problems that Juventus lack. Like your analysis of the midfield for Juventus, I completely agree. And I'm glad that we clarified that because I do agree with you on Artur. What what I had meant uh, by that is that Rabiot, Bentancur, in the past years, Kedira, all these guys that Juventus had, 
constantly played those lateral horizontal passes that did absolutely zero from them. And Artur is coming from a different system. He even said today, I never expected Serie A to be this difficult. I never expected to come against these kinds of teams. What I had, what I was saying by that is that he's got the idea to do those. You could see it that he's tried a couple times that it went through to Morata, went through to Dybala. He needs to do 100% better. I agree with you. But my my analysis of that is that Rabiot, Bentancourt, and all these guys have been there for a long time, and they just don't have it in them. And I think that Artur does, and I think that we'll see it as the season goes on. So that's kind of what what I'm what I meant by that. And, right. and I agree 100%. I just think the 4-3-3 for Juventus right now is very risky because you do not have that midfielder that if you counterattack, they're slow. I don't think they can catch up. Yeah, they're, they're very right. They're walking. Rabiot they're very walks. slow in the in the buildup, and they're also very slow in in uh, in uh, in uh, in coming back. In Look transition. at Spezia's goal, yeah. Artur uh, on Spezia's goal. Artur is like walking back. The midfield, the rest of the midfields, I don't know where they were. You know, I 100% agree with that. The only thing is the three-five-two. Now you're starting to get complicated because where you start playing Ronaldo, Morata, Dybala, Kulusevski, Chiesa. There's a Cuadrado. There's a lot of different combinations that. Could become tricky. I mean, they're playing in Champions League. I don't even know how to pronounce the name of the team. Ferenc Charles. Two players I think you cannot do without is Ronaldo and and Morata. Morata's, I mean, Morata's been amazing right now. I mean, Morata, right? I agree with you that. Okay, one day, I was never concerned. For me, I like that, you know, he keeps getting goals. They're taking off sides, which... They're rather unlucky. They're they're literally centimeters away. Right. That you could fix. What you can't fix is a guy who's in front of the net and keeps exactly. missing. That's that's a lot harder that's to a, fix. That's a least. better problem to have that he's scoring them yeah. and he's a few inches offside. So I'm so, fine. Like yeah. I said, I'm fine with that. And I agree. Morata's in a good moment. And then he ended up getting his goal, uh, which pushed everything aside. Uh, but even and, if he would have scored those three goals against against Barcelona, now would what what would have been what, what would the discussion be about? Oh, Juventus beat Barcelona three to two, maybe. Because Morata scored all those, uh, uh, you know, those three goals would have been valid, but still the problems would have been masked. What, what, right? Yeah. Now, exactly. oh God, you, we exactly. would have said, oh, Pirlo is a, is a, a is a great coach. Yeah. Uh, Pirlo is a genius. Juventus is a great team, but no, the problems remain. And sooner or later, you could get those goals and you can win those games, but then the issues will come up. Mm-hmm. And Eventually. I, Eventually. And, I exactly. and I think that especially this year more than ever, 2020 and this COVID situation more than ever, everyone's going to go through these big waves of up and downs. And I think right now is the down was the down wave of Juventus. Uh, as international break comes back, we got the news today that Delict and Alexandro will both be back. And I think Delict is going to be a huge plus for uh, for Pirlo's team um, and even Alexandro because they've been playing without a, a natural left back if they do a Agreed. four-man back line. So those, comp- those things are kind of like overlooked. So people try to make it a little bit more dramatic on Pirlo than I think that they probably will be. And we'll be able to analyze it a little bit better as time Correct. goes on. No, I, we, we also have to say that we cannot uh, uh, right now, you know, take it on on uh, on uh, Pirlo. Oh, he's a 2006 world champion like Gattuso is. Agree. But that doesn't mean doesn't just because, like. two things, just because you're a great player and you won the World Cup and, and you were... A maestro in the midfield that doesn't necessarily uh, make you a great coach. This is what I said one. about Baldini Which that I was could criticized be, by He the could way. be a, a, a great yeah. coach. I'm not saying. 100%. Number you two is. To be fair to the fans. Right. Let, let's not forget. No, you didn't. Let, let's not forget Bro. where Gattuso came from. Let's not forget the experience that got where he started coaching before arriving at, at, at Napoli. 
you know, there's a lot of Osario or other coaches. Not everybody got the opportunity, boom, to say it. And he was not hired to be the Juventus coach. He was hired to be the under-23 coach manager. Juventus would continue with Sarri. A year, two years experience, boom, now you bring him to the first team. But let's, if you guys analyze where Gattuso started and how he got to Napoli, it's, it's a lot of years of sacrifices and experience and hits on the head and kicks in the ass. It's, it's a lot of criticizing. It, it's, it's a lot of... Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not easy. Now, Pirlo, you have to... And I think Juventus will give him time. Enough with these band-aids every year. Exactly. If Juventus was become a European powerhouse, you have to start building. And that's why they got clue. What's that? I can't pronounce his name. The guy from Atalanta. Kulusevski. Kulusevski. Oh, Kulusevski. You got pa- Chiesa. Parma. Right. Oh, yeah, and Atalanta. then uh, Pirlo is bringing up these young guys. Guys, it's not for today. You always have to think also tomorrow. You make money today, but you also have to save some, some cash in the bank for a rainy day. So Chiesa and these guys, it also represents the Juventus of tomorrow of the following year and not just this year so i think finally juventus understood it's time to build something and not put a band-aid every year which is i completely agree with you and i think that it's more so on the fans that have this crazy expectation that it's their fault you gotta rather win than the anyone Scudetto. else you yeah. gotta win this you gotta win that just because your name is uh, you know your your name is uh, is uh, is juventus. juventus like we said before if atalanta plays the way they play now even though this year is not the same as previous years, it didn't just happen overnight. Yeah, exactly. It's years of programming. Which is exactly, it's it's an analysis Lots of the problem. the same way. It's an analysis of the problem where Juventus, you dominated in uh, in Italy, but you didn't in Champions League and you never had a real identity. It's a, hey, let's step back. Let's try something different. So the people that call for Pirlo out, which we've seen, we've seen people over here saying, oh, Pirlo should be already leave. No, you should get somebody. Not. Which is madness because to me, not. to me, there's almost nothing that Pirlo can do this year that would that I would say sack him. I think you give him an entire season, you analyze, and that's it. Because what are you going to do so getting you're, him in? You're not going to win the Scudetto. Is Juventus going to qualify in the top four? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they have the roster. They have the players. They have the mentality. They have the approach to finish in the top four. So you're not going to win the Scudetto. But think ahead. Think about the, uh, yeah. you know, think also about the future. I agree. Every big team in Europe, their cycle ends. What goes up must come down. Like Real Madrid, Barcelona. Not, not every yeah. team can maintain that same cycle for years after years. It all, you know, comes to an end. What's important is the programming. So now I know that I have a player, this particular player named Marco could give me one more year and then he's going to be on the downside. He's going to decline as a player because he reached a certain year. So now this year, even I, if I know that Marco could give me another great year, who did, who's, who's available on the market that I can purchase and sit him on the bench and get him ready for when Marco leaves the following year, boom, and I replace Marco. Were you calling me Ronaldo right there? Because I, I kind of enjoyed that. I, I was. So, I already. I already. Acted that, like Ronaldo. That's what I. And not to wait until. Lose Marco, on every podcast. And 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 not to wait until Marco is is in the decline. Oh, now do who do, do I replace him? Exactly. Where's the player? Who do I buy? Oh, let me buy that guy because he's on a free transfer. I could get him for free yeah. and give him eight million a year. Hey, come here, replace Marco. We were talking no. about Rabiot. 
Right, right. Or, or, other play, or, or, or uh, you know, You're other speaking play. speaking the same language. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You have to think a year in advance before you think that player is going to be gone. How do you replace that particular, you know, that particular player a year from now? Which is exactly what, what Juventus did with, with uh, Chiesa. And Chiesa is not today. Or exactly. what's the guy's name? Kulusevsky. 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 Yeah. They're not today players. <laughs> they represent the future. And hopefully they can step up and, and, and compete and, and be uh, uh, great players in Champions League and, of course, Serie A and make the difference so and bring Juventus where they deserve to be. You explained it in a much better way than I did uh, earlier where I had said to Juventus fans that it's okay to lose a Scudetto this year if you're doing the right thing. And I was criticized saying that you're against Juventus, you're anti-Juventus for saying something like that. You explained it in much better terms. And I think that that's the understanding that more of the UFNs need to have in order to... Guys, let's not just sack Pirlo right now. Let's bring Allegri back. Oh, let's because win we're not going to win the Scudetto. Oh, my God. It's, uh, you you know, I'm not panicking the... because I'm not going to yeah. win the Scudetto. Exactly. No, you need a I bigger picture. Think of the bigger, yeah, bigger of the bigger picture that the near future or a year, two years from now, you know, the satisfaction that the big picture can bring to the Juventus fans in the, uh, in the, in the future. And I agree with Pirlo in giving these young players that nobody knows, oh, where did he get this guy from? Or oh, where, where did he find this guy? To give them the opportunity to grow, make mistakes, and hopefully they will be yeah. uh, great players in the uh, in the in the uh, in the future. Can we uh, can we end on your story about uh, Maradona? Maradona, <laughs> it was uh, his 60th oh, birthday, boy. I believe. I am falling uh, from the mouth to this, hear this, Ludo. You have no idea. The picture. I remember when I first went to your shop. You used to have a, a shop where you guys had jerseys Correct. and right. all that stuff. And I'll never forget forget the pride when you showed me that picture. I remember when I was younger, you showing me that picture of you and Maradona, and I could see just from your face the way that you showed it to me and the excitement, and you told me the story. So, well, um, back in the uh, back in the day. In the uh, mid-80s, I worked for an Italian uh, radio station. I was an announcer, a radio uh, announcer. So, so for the people that are all complimenting <laughs> uh, Ludovico on the way that he speaks, saying he had, he had some right. people called you the GOAT, the culture GOAT. Yes. You know what that means? Y yes, absolutely. I thank you very much. <laughs> you know the GOAT? Like Maradona, yeah, yeah, the goal, the goal. like uh, greatest Brady, Brady, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. You know, okay. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, we had to explain this last time. So, so basically, um, in uh, in night, I was always a big uh, uh, Napoli fan since the um, the first game I went to see of uh, Napoli. I believe was in 1972. I was only eight years old, and I still remember that formation, which was Carmignani, Bruscolotti, La Palma, Burnic, Vavasori, Orlandini, Massa, Giuliano, Clerici, Esposito, Braia. That was the formation back then. And the great Vinicio was the uh, the coach. By the way, Vinicio was the one that started the Zona playing and not Sarri back in the day. I also so, linked, I linked the picture so, of Ludovico in the chat. So, so basically, the, uh, my, uh, my uh, wedding night, I worked for this radio station called Radio Uno. There was another Italian radio station back then, which was ICN, and we were friends. And uh, this great gentleman, Stefano Evangelista, may he rest in peace, he went to watch the World Cup in Mexico. And he met Bruno Giordano. And they became friends, and Bruno Giordano wanted a particular watch. So uh, Mr. Stefano Evangelista purchased this watch. So the night of, the, of my wedding in 1986, I get a uh, phone call. I receive a phone call at the uh, catering hall, uh, right in the middle of the, you know, dancing, the middle of the festivities. Oh, uh, Mr. Masucci, there's a phone call for you. I said, okay, let me go see. And it was Stefano. Oh, Ludovico, this is what's happening. Listen, I spoke to uh, Bruno Giordano, and uh, I purchased the watch. Can you bring it to him? I know you're going to Italy for your honeymoon. Can you bring it to him? 
And I said, yeah, why not? So he came at the end of the night, you know, a little package, you know, that contained this, uh, this watch and with Bruno Giordano's phone number. And uh, so when I arrived in Naples uh, a week and a half, uh, uh, two weeks later, I uh, called Bruno Giordano and his daughter Valentina answered. Back then she was a little girl. Now she's in our, in our uh, most like in our late 30s, early 40s. She said, oh, okay, uh, uh, my father's expecting your call. Hold on, here's uh, my dad. So uh, Bruno comes on the phone and he goes, ah, Ludovico, Stefano spoke to me about you. He goes, what are you doing today? I said, no, today I'm free. He goes, why don't I meet you by Socavo outside and I'll be there. You know, I have this car and uh, you park outside and then, you know, you'll come in with me and you spend the afternoon with us watching the practice coming in the locker room. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll introduce you to, uh, to, uh, to everyone. And uh, I got to the uh, practice at four o'clock and uh, he came in with his guy. It was him and Salvatore Bagni. No, Salvatore Bagni was here at the... Was it Salvatore Bagno or the Napoli? I forgot one of the players. Um, this was in 1986. That's when the Napoli started, you know, the Scudetto that we won in 87. And I went in. I gave him to watch. We spoke. I was in the locker room. You know, back then you could go in. Players were changing, talking. You know, there was. And uh, and that's how I met uh, Maradona at the end. And I took a picture with the entire uh, team. Napoli team in, uh, in 86. And that's basically my... Uh, my story, how I met Maradona, then I met Cannavale, you know, other, uh, was, other players. What were your thoughts? How, how was the interaction the, with Maradona, though? Like, how I, did it go? Well, it was, uh, it was, well, he had issues that day, and I, I never forget, he had issues the day with the, uh, with the car, and one of his friends was supposed to pick up the car from the mechanic, so if you notice the picture, he has money in his hand, and he had okay. 500 uh, uh, liters, oh, yeah, he, he had 500 <laughs> liters that he had to give, that he had to give to his friend to pick up the car from the mechanic <laughs> because he was expecting the car to be ready a couple of days earlier and the car was not finished yet. And he was upset. So he had money and he had to give it to his friend. By huh. the way, that car that you see on the left, yeah. that's one of Maradona's cars. Wow. wow. That's the car that he was coming to, uh, to, to practice, with. to training with. Yes, the white uh, car to his... Uh, and this was like the room. alleyway of like the parking lot of the yes. training so center? Yes, so you came in, you entered the gate, the locker rooms were on the left, the field was on the uh, was on the right, and then you parked, and it was not like Castel Volturno today. I mean, we're yeah. going back now, Changed, you know, yeah, 30, 30, plus, uh, 30 plus years. What was, young, what was young Ludo thinking in this moment? First of all, when you got I the was, call from Bruno... I never said... Well, not, not, you mean from Stefano to bring the watch? Yeah. That one first. On your wedding I, I night. I thought he was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was crazy. Yeah, I think it was a prank. I said, yeah, Bruno Giordano is going to answer me. He's going to pick up the phone and he's going to care about this watch. I didn't, I didn't want to say no. So I talked to him. I mean, it, it was a little package. It wasn't been big. I would have said no. But it was something very, you know, very small. I said, it's going to fit in the suitcase. Back then, you could have two suitcases, three suitcases. There was no limit on weight and the amount of suitcases you would pay extra. I mean, you would go to on vacation for a week. You could have five suitcases. There was no. <laughs> no this is gonna turn into a rant against airlines right you know, now. <laughs> back in the uh, uh, back in the day, they didn't charge you extra. So I said, okay, if he answers, he answers. Otherwise, I take the watch back. It's <laughs> a win-win really, situation, right? <laughs> How old were you, you at know, this time? Twenty-one. Wow, you got married okay. young too. Right. Wow. And, oh uh, and then Napoli won the Scudetto the following year on uh, on May 10th, 1987. And my brother and I went back for the you know to watch the uh, the uh, the game against Fiorentina, which ended 1-1. And uh, Baggio scored the uh, the uh, the goal, and Carnavale scored for Napoli. We only needed one point to 
to win the Scudetto and was on uh, May 10th, 1987. Did anything interesting happen um, in uh, in the training? Anything like that you remember? No, they were just practicing and uh, Maradona stayed a little bit uh, uh, a little bit late afterwards. He used to practice his uh, free kicks. He used to keep Di Fusco, the backup goalkeeper back then. He was uh, he was keeping him extra to practice on the uh, on the free kicks. And nine out of ten of those free kicks from the same position, they will go to the upper nine. The boom, and you see this goalkeeper flying, and he will say, "Diego, are we done?" No, no, a couple of more. Couple of more. And this guy would get off the field. The poor guy, Rafaela Di Fusco, the second goalkeeper, would walk off the field. Exhausted. exhausted like he couldn't take it anymore but he would not say uh, he would not say uh, you know it was the no when when he used to show up to practice Maradona did not you know he, <laughs> he did didn't, not show didn't up. need practice though right? well he didn't, he didn't show up to uh, a lot of practices especially towards the end of the uh, of the uh, of the week so he always used to come with uh, a lot of the times he used to come with Salvatore Bagni because he didn't have a driver's license Salvatore Bagni he had a uh, he he um, he lost his son in a car accident, mm. so he never got his driver's license. So they always had to drive mm. uh, Bagni uh, uh, around. He always had to get a lift to the field and and uh, and from the uh, the field. But he was very good friends with uh, with uh, with Maradona. And you know. after after you got this picture, were you just going crazy? Uh, I was. Every everyone in my town went crazy because I was probably the only. <laughs> everyone, how many people did you get? Tell us, tell us, tell us. Tell us. The only, uh, the only one that you know. When when I developed, you know, I couldn't wait to the to develop. And I when I went, you know, back then you had to bring the Kodak film. How long did that it take? It was not the phone. Uh-huh. There was no cell phones. It was yeah, not. Yeah. It was one of those Kodak uh, disposable cameras, cameras. Uh, nine ninety nine. That after you take thirty six pictures, you would throw it away. And I told the guy, I said, please, I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't, you don't want to say I what it was, right? Because I thought, you know, I would be, yeah, yeah. you know, once this guy's going to, yeah, you know, he's going to, right. Yeah, yeah, then he's going to, so I said, you know, I needed, this is very, you know, it's very important uh, uh, film. And I went to, uh, and I went to pick it. It looked like back then it took about three, four days to develop a, a oh. film. It was like I can imagine you sleeping. You're like, what time you anxiety the whole was, time. I, I wanted to see how it came out. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to see. Oh, it could have been blurry too, right? Oh, wow, I didn't think about So did you not tell anybody that you got the picture or you did tell them no did I, you, did tell, you I did tell them. my uh, I did oh, tell my uh, my uh, my friends and uh, my aunt was very happy may she rest in peace a big Napoli fan also my aunt my father's uh, sister. Uh, sister and then uh, no I had great uh, uh, memories of uh, Napoli back then with Maradona I still have the VHS tapes by the way no the VHS wow. yeah all the games back then they nice. used to show Napoli a lot so on one of those VHS tapes if you extended it you know stretched it it, it, there would have been six hours instead of two. So the tape would really stretch and you could put three games on one of those VHS. <laughs> and I still have those VHS nah. uh, tapes at home with all those games uh, back then that uh, that Napoli, uh, that Napoli played all those uh, all those games. And then I went to watch the uh, final of the UEFA Cup. Back then it was not Europa League, it was Copa UEFA. When we uh, tied against Stuttgart 3-3. In Germany, right? And that was on May 17th, 1989. I left New York Tuesday night. I got to Stuttgart on Wednesday morning, watched the game in the evening, and came back on Thursday to JFK. We have the picture everything, on the wall. You were saying it too. Everything in 48 uh, hours. The game ended 3-3 that, That's amazing. Uh, wow. that day. So were you the most popular person when you told everybody in your town that oh, yeah. you got a picture I mean, of It was not easy How back was then to meet. It was, uh, <laughs> it was I, I, I lived it. I mean, it's, it's hard for, for people today to watch it on YouTube, but if you had the opportunity to watch those, you know, those games and, and, and watch 
uh, 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 watch uh, Maradona play, it's uh, you you cannot describe those uh, those feelings unless you 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 witness when Maradona came. Now they come out from the locker room, they come out straight, but back then they came from behind the net. I don't know if you guys ever saw yeah, it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. There was that uh, that gate, that door that opened from the and you came from the underground. And when Maradona stepped out from the uh, underground, you had 80,000 people, you know, like sardines and everybody who, you know, that, that one voice and one song and one chanting, you know, come out. It, it, it only, you know, it gave you, wow, it gave you, it gave you yeah. really goosebumps. I mean, it was like watching a theater that the, the curtain opens <laughs> and, you know, showtime, you know, and the, and the show, and the show happened. And I, I had the opportunity to, to watch the greatest of all time play, you know, live in, in important games as, uh, as, uh, as well. And, you know, people might not like him. People uh, say that he was not a great uh, person, but you're not going to find any player that played against him or around the world that he did not, uh, he did not respect. And uh, uh, being someone from the South, and he played uh, for a team in the South, those six years that he was in Napoli, he gave us great satisfactions and he delivered what anyone else was not able to deliver in the past and even uh, and even now. Respect. That was a great, I think that's a great way to Ludo, end. Uh, I was in a episode. trance when you were saying that, by the way. That, that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I Ludo, felt like I was, was there good. next to you in the car in the passenger yeah, seat. Yeah, that was very good. And I'm very happy back. we have that documented. Yeah, that's I'm very amazing. happy that that moment, all the details, we got some good details out of you on that. Yeah. I can imagine, I, when you were saying it, I could literally put myself in yeah. your shoes. It was like a film watch. It's know? something that you can never, it's something that you can, and I don't want to get rid of those VHS tapes. <laughs> I, I hope no. I can put it on a uh, CD or something. Yeah, even less. Guard those with your life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If absolutely. a robber comes in, it's like, I'll give you all the money. Just leave yes, the VHS. Just leave the tapes and <laughs> leave, leave the... the uh... <laughs> Respect. Uh, guys, uh, on that note, uh, hit the like button. Hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Ludo, thank you, as always, for coming on. Always a great pleasure. Mike. Happy culture, everyone. Yes. yes. This week, hopefully the Italian teams can do us proud. We start off with Inter against Real Madrid. Uh, tomorrow, and then Atalanta, Liverpool also right. tomorrow. So good luck to everybody. Forza Italian teams. All of them. Exactly. There we go. As always, guys, thank you for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao, Ciao guys. Take care, guys. And Forza Napoli. <laughs>